Welcome to the official broadcast of Life Fellowship Ministries in Kima, Texas. Our mission is to develop, maintain, and model personal intimacy with Jesus Christ. Be sure to visit us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. And now, join us for the Life Fellowship Experience. You know, when there are times when when we do want to come into that place of intimate worship and we just begin to sing a new song, we begin to just pour out. Sometimes uh, we don't even have the words to say, but the Bible talks about groaning and utterances that are coming forth from within us. And sometimes we just cry out to the Lord. Sometimes we're worshiping. Sometimes we're thanking Him. And so I want us to always press in. You know if you've been coming here for a while that uh, worship is not about entertainment. It's about engagement. And there are times when we, we need to press into that place and just put everything aside. And it just be, He becomes our focus of worship. So thank you so much, praise team, and thank you guys for entering into worship this morning. And I want to recite our mission statement. It is to develop, maintain, and model personal intimacy with Jesus Christ. And worship is one of the greatest tools that we have or the activities that we get to participate in to enhance that intimate personal relationship with Him. And then our vision or our mission or the goal is to become disciples who will impact the world with the love of Jesus Christ. And so as God does this work in our hearts, it's a natural outflow that our lives are going to impact others around us. And uh, we are already impacting people across the globe, this, this little church in Kima, Texas. And uh, so I want to encourage us in that to just stay the course and continue to pray and seek the Lord and allow him to work through our hearts and lives however he chooses and however he wants to do that. We're, we're, in this new, we're starting a new series. It's called Heroes. And when we think about heroes, sometimes we think about the superheroes, Superman or Batman or, you know, those type of people. And, but, but I want us to be focused on the heroes in the Bible. And I'm, I'm going to be talking about some of these people that were heroes in the faith. And, and what we'll find is that there were some elements of their faith and their walk with the Lord that allows God to use them in powerful ways. One, they had a relationship with him. And two, they had to be obedient. And they weren't always obedient. They had failures and, and misses just like we do. But God worked through their lives in powerful ways. And you know what? There are a lot of heroes in this room. God has called us all to impact the world, and, and we're all a hero in, in his eyes. God loves us so much, and God has a great purpose and plan for each and every one of us. And, and your purpose and plan may be different from mine and, and the person over here and over there, but God has a great purpose and plan for you. He didn't just create us just so we could exist, so we could go to our daily jobs and go through our daily grind of life. I mean, that is part of life, right? But he's created us to, to have this relationship with him and then have him extend this love and this grace and this relationship that's demonstrated in our lives to other people. And there are people that are in your life that need the hope and the love of Christ that's within you. And God is speaking to you sometimes to share this hope and love with them. 
because they need it. They really need it. And we all need that. We all need to encourage one another. That's why the local church is so vitally important where we can come together and we can coalesce and be in unity and, and in one accord and we can love one another and we can demonstrate that love and we can encourage one another. Do you ever need encouragement? Yes, you do. We all do. And so God has given us examples and when we go back and look at Hebrews chapter 11, uh, the writer of Hebrews talks about the heroes of the faith. And one person that I want to talk about today is Paul. Aside from Jesus, Paul was probably the most influential person in the New Testament and probably in the Bible. You know, you have Moses kind of in the Old Testament, and you had a lot of old prophets and, and, and people that were influential in the Old Testament as well. But Paul was greatly influential, writing about two-thirds of the New Testament. And God used him in a powerful, powerful way. And so all of us have a calling. But I want to talk a little bit this morning about being called and being sent those are two different things because I believe that God has a calling on all of our lives, but there are, there are times when we are in the waiting and we are in the training and we are in the equipping process to be sent. Uh, I remember we were at a church uh, a number of years back and, and I was an elder at that church and the pastor came to me and he said, uh, I'm, I'm thinking about appointing so-and-so as an elder. He said, what do you think about that? And I said, well... Honestly, <clears throat> I don't think he's ready. I love this man, and I think he's got a great heart, but I don't think he's ready to step into this. I think he could be at some point in time. And the pastor got mad at me. But I said, well, you know, you ask my opinion, and I'm going to give you what I honestly believe. And I talked to this, this person uh, sometime later, and he asked me, he said, uh, the pastor wants to to uh, appoint me as an elder, what do you think? And I said, well, you know I love you, and you know I'm going to speak the truth. I think at some point in time you could be a good elder, but honestly, I don't think you're ready. And he got real quiet, and he looked at me, and he said, thank you. He said, I, I don't feel like I'm ready. And he said, you're the only person that has confirmed that with me. And, and so there are times when God is preparing us for something greater, but we have to wait until we're ready. And, uh, and I explained it this way to him. I said, if you have a star player, that, uh, say a football player, that gets hurt, that gets injured, and you put them in too early before they're ready, you can ruin their career. And I said, I, I think one day you will be ready, but I think God is doing something in your heart and life. And, and we need to go through that process because uh, if we're sent, if we go out before we're ready, it can be detrimental to what God has for us and God wants to do through us. And I've shared this story with you guys before as well. When our pastor at our home church was wanting to uh, appoint elders, he told me, he, call, he, he called me or talked to me and he said, you were my first, my first choice, but the Lord said no. I was hurt. I was hurt. I mean, I see these other guys that were, were, we were all kind of on the same level, you know, and all growing in and, and, and our faith, and these other guys were made elders, and I was like, God, why? And I, was, I really had my feelings hurt. But as I went through this process, and even looking back even now, years later, I'm so thankful because I was not ready. I thought I was ready. I really did. 
But I'm, I'm so thankful that the Lord spoke to the pastor and that he obeyed and he didn't appoint me as, elders, as an elder because I saw some of these other guys, they didn't do well. And I know if I would have been made an elder, I would not have done well because I was not ready. And so God has a purpose and a plan and a calling for us, but we have to go through that process of allowing him to prepare us and shore us up and build us up. Because uh, in a role or position like that, it's going to require. And when we look at the life of Paul, we see someone that was highly trained in the things of the law. He, he was a Pharisee of Pharisees. The Pharisees were the, the cream of the crop in the religious leaders in, in the Jewish religion. And he was the cream of the cream, the cream of the crop. And he, he would, had been trained in, as an expert in the law and, and Old Testament religious law and culture and all of that. The Pharisees had to memorize the first five books of the Bible, not just a few scriptures, but the first five books. And they were trained, and, and they were poured into. And not only was Paul being poured into, but he was trained under Gamaliel, who was the best. So there was a lot of investment that was made into Paul's life as a Pharisee. And uh, then one day, Paul met Jesus on the road to Damascus. And it changed his life. This encounter with with Jesus changed his, his, his purpose, his plan, everything about his life. And we know that uh, when Jesus departed, he, he told the disciples to go and wait for the Holy Spirit to be poured out. And they were in the upper room, and the, the Holy Spirit was poured out upon them. And God was moving powerfully through these men and women that God had poured out his Holy Spirit upon and uh, the church was, was expanding and reaching different regions. But there was a lot of persecution of believers as well. And that's partly how the, the gospel got spread as they began to depart and leave and go to uh, different regions. And as they would go, because they were called and because they had this relationship with Jesus, they began to share the hope and love of Christ with others, the non-Jews. And so Paul was rounding up Christians during this time because he thought that they were a threat to Judaism. And he hated the Christians because he thought they were anti-God. But then he has this encounter with Jesus on the road to Damascus, and he realizes that Jesus is the Lord. And, and it changes his whole, his whole perspective and everything. Let's go to Acts chapter 9. And this is a little bit of background. I'm going to read a lot of scripture today, so stay with me. I'm talking about this morning, just so you'll be reminded of the focus, it's about being called and being sent. And, and so, meanwhile, Saul was uttering threats with every breath and was eager to kill the Lord's followers. So he went to the high priest. He was not wanting to just put them in chains. He was not wanting to just hinder them. He was wanting to kill them. Yes. <laughs> If you were a Christian at that point in time, this was pretty serious. He was wanting to kill the Christians. And so he went to the high priest because he thought that this movement was dangerous to Judaism. He didn't know what these guys were all about because he had not yet had this encounter with Jesus. Verse 2, he requested letters addressed to the synagogues in Damascus asking for their cooperation in the arrest of any followers of the way 
he found there. He wanted to bring them, both men and women, back to Jerusalem in chains. He was serious about this. One thing that we know about Paul is he was passionate. <laughs> Are you passionate about your relationship with Jesus? Paul was off track, but he was passionate about it. But then when he has this encounter with Jesus, that passion transfers to, into correctness about representing the Lord and, and living for him. And so there was this pressure that was happening that was pushing on the Christians of that day out of their comfort zone. And this is where many of them begin to depart and go to other regions. And then they were sharing the hope and the love of Christ because they had a passion. They had an understanding. They had a, this relationship with Jesus that was not just happening at the synagogue, but it was happening in their daily life as they would go out and live this thing out, as they would share what God had done in their life, and they were seeing the hand of God mold and shape them into the person or the people that God was calling them to be. And, and so they were uncomfortable, and they were being pushed out and I think it's interesting that we're having to depart this building because I think God has his foot in our back and he is pushing us out because God has something different for us. And so as you've been faithful in giving toward the building fund, and uh, we're, I don't know what we're, what's going to happen yet, but I feel like God is moving us out. That's not comfortable. These Christians were having to leave their homes and the places that they had been because it was a matter of their faith. If they remained there, they would be killed. You talk about an uncomfortable situation. You talk about faith in God. You talk about trust in God. You talk about commitment to God. These people had some commitment that they had to live out on a daily basis. Acts 3, as he was approaching Damascus on this mission to kill Christians, to chain them up and bring them back. On this mission, a light from heaven suddenly shone down around him. He fell to the ground and heard a voice saying, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? Who are you, Lord? Saul asked. And the voice replied, I am Jesus, the one you are persecuting. Wait a minute, I thought he was persecuting the Christians. Jesus takes it pretty personal when his children, his representatives, are being persecuted because it's, a, it's an offense to him. He loves us, and he wants to see us walk in, in the fullness. But there, there comes a time, and this is probably not very popular, when some Christians will be persecuted. There are Christians all over the world that are being persecuted just because we're able to come to this air-conditioned room and not be persecuted doesn't mean that there aren't others being persecuted and putting their lives on the line. What if? What if that became reality for us here? What is our faith? Nobody wants to be persecuted. I don't think anybody wants to be persecuted for their faith. But do we have a relationship with him where we're willing to do that? That's what we're talking about with these people. That's what we're talking about, why we need to be praying for people across the world because there are people that are dying for their faith. There are people that are putting their life on the line. When we have gone to India, we have to be really careful about where we go and what we say and what we do as we go and minister to the saints. And there are other places that are extremely dangerous where Christians are putting their life on the line 
to share the hope and the gospel with those that don't know about it. And God is doing miraculous miracles and he's touching lives. He's saving Muslims by the droves. But somebody has to risk out. And my goodness, if we're we're so soft that we're going to get offended about a song or the color of the chairs or the air conditioning or whatever, how are we expecting God to really use us in a powerful, powerful way? if we won't even share our faith with our neighbor here in America. And so God is, is working in our hearts and lives. He's preparing us for more. Who are you, Lord? Saul asked, and, and the voice replied, I'm Jesus, the one you are persecuting. Now get up and go to the city. Go into the city, and you will be told what you must do. You notice Jesus didn't say, well, if, it, if it's okay, Saul, would you please go? When we make Jesus Lord and Savior, he, become, he should be our Lord. And so he has the right to direct us and lead us and tell us what to do. Yes. Verse 7, the men with Saul stood speechless, for they heard the sound of someone's voice, but saw no one. Saul picked himself up off the ground, but when he opened his eyes, he, he was blind. So his companions led him by the hand to Damascus. Paul knew the scripture. Paul knew the law. Paul knew the word. I think Paul got knocked off his spiritual high horse because he had an encounter with Jesus. And Jesus said, I'm going to straighten you out, boy. I'm going to straighten this thing out. And I believe what we see with Paul, Paul had a heart. For God, I think he really had a heart for God. He was just misdirected. And I think about some of the cults and some of the religions, and I don't know that, I don't know. I I can't speak, but I think that there are people that really have a heart for God but are deceived. And maybe you work with some of those people. Maybe you have the opportunity to, to talk to some of those people. And say, listen, I know you're worshiping these idols and these pagan gods, but let me tell you about the true God. Let me tell you about this relationship where it's not about sacrificing yourself and blowing yourself up so you can have all these virgins. It's about this relationship with Jesus that comes into your heart and life where you're not having to perform and do all this stuff. You simply receive what God has already done, what Jesus has already done, and you can walk in freedom. You can live this life that Jesus came to give you. But there are people that don't know that. I believe there are people sitting in churches today, in Christian churches, that don't know this, that God really does love them, that God really does have a purpose and plan for them, but they're thinking, I have to perform. I have to jump through these hoops. I have to live a perfect life. I can't, I can't. cuss and drink and chew and run with those who do. I have to live this perfect life. And Jesus is saying, no, when I come into your life, I will change you. I will restore you back into this relationship that you were created to have with me. That's what the Lord is wanting. But we can get so twisted off in our tradition and religion and all this stuff. And forget that it's all about a relationship with him. He remained there blind for three days and did not eat or drink. Paul knew something significant had happened. 
If you can see and no longer you can see something, that, that would probably get your attention. And Paul was committed. He didn't eat or drink for three days. I, I have a feeling he was saying, God, I don't know what's going on here, but I need to know what's happening. And, and I have this inclination that the Holy Spirit was speaking to him. Yeah and doing a work in Paul that maybe some of that religion, maybe some of that law that he had worked so hard to learn, maybe he had a paradigm shift and he began to see it as a relationship and not about all these do's and don'ts. Because they took the Ten Commandments and had hundreds of laws, binding people up. Not drawing people to God, but binding them up, keeping them from God. He remained there blind for three days and did not eat or drink. Now there was a believer in Damascus named Ananias. The Lord spoke to him in a vision, calling, Ananias! Yes, Lord, he replied. Ananias called, now being sent. The Lord said, go over to Straight Street to the house of Judas. When you get there, ask for a man from Tarsus named Saul. He is praying to me right now. Paul was seeking the Lord. I love this part. I've shown him a vision of a man named Ananias coming in and laying hands on him so he can see again. But Lord, exclaimed Ananias, I've heard many people talk about the terrible things this man has done to the believers in Jerusalem. Lord, I don't know if that was maybe some pizza I had last night, but is this really you speaking to me? Really? Do you know what this man has been doing? He's been responsible for killing Christians, dragging them off, beating them. And you want me to go over here and talk to this guy? And he is authorized by the leading priest to arrest everyone who calls upon your name. I think Ananias was probably having some discussion with the Lord. <laughs> Maybe he was fasting and praying all of a sudden, saying, God, I need to know that this is you. I need to know that I know that I know that this is you. Verse 15, but the Lord said, go, for Saul is my chosen instrument to take my message to the Gentiles and to kings as well as the people of Israel. Interestingly here, that Paul is trained in the Jewish law, but God is going to take him and use him to minister and share the hope and the love of Christ to the Gentiles, the non-Jews. Well, wait a minute, God. That doesn't even make logical sense. He knows the law. He knows all of this stuff. Why wouldn't you use him to reach the Jews? And he does, but Paul's primary mission was to reach the non-Jews. And so they don't know anything about all this law stuff. But yet, but, but Paul had been studying for years and years and years, learning all this stuff. And God is saying, yeah, okay, you know all this stuff. Now I'm going to use you in this way. What if God wants to use you in a different way than what you think? <laughs> would, well, would you be willing? I've shared with you when, when I was on the praise and worship team, I love playing drums. I love it. I'm happy behind a drum set. Let's just praise and worship for an hour and a half. I'm good. And God said, no, I, I want to. I want to shift this. I want you to think on a different level. I want to use you in a different way. But God, I like this. 
You've blessed me with the ability to do this. <laughs> I really like it, God. <laughs> but you know what? I had no idea what this was going to entail. And I love this. It, it, I, let me tell you, it's the hardest, most difficult, most encouraging, most joyous, hardest, most difficult thing I've ever done. But you know what? I love it. I love it. I love, and it is a privilege and an honor for me to get to stand here and, and to lead this church. It's a privilege and an honor for you to get to serve in the capacity that God has you serving. And so God can use anybody, and, uh, and he's chosen you, and he's chosen us to do what he's called us to do. And so here, Paul is, has been called, he's been prepared, and now God is sending him, not in accordance to probably what Paul wanted to do, but in accordance to what the Lord wanted for him. And he goes on to write in verse 16, and I will show him how much he must suffer for my name's sake. Oh, that's a great popular scripture right there, don't you? Who wants to suffer for, but you know what? Serving the Lord is going to require, and I've talked about this before. I talked about it a few weeks ago. Service is going to require, and uh, so if, if he is your Lord and your king, then he's the one that's going to lead us and guide us, and we don't always get everything that we want. Okay, so, all right. Are you guys good? Are you happy? All right, okay, all right. So God used Paul. Paul went through some trials. We know that he was shipwrecked. He was thrown in prison. He was beaten. <laughs> Whew, bitten by a snake okay all kinds of fun stuff and there were challenges that he had to walk through and there are challenges that we have to walk through too you know god has not called us to to just ha live this comfortable life all the time he's called us to allow him to build our character and use us in a powerful, powerful way. And I'm not saying that everything is terrible when you serve the Lord. I mean, we are, we are tremendously blessed. We're blessed as this church. And, uh, you know, what I find that uh, Pastor Christina and I have most, er, we have everything we need and most everything we want. And it's not about the material things. It's about this all-consuming life of saying, God, I give you my life. We have devoted our life to him. We, we are giving our life, everything that we have, everything that we have, we're pouring out to serve him and to serve you. And it's the greatest thing that, that could ever happen. I mean, we just love it. And, and it's not always easy. <laughs> and it's not always fun. But we know that this is what God has called us to do. Why would we want something else? Why would any of us want anything different than what the Lord has for us? Because he's a good, good father. And sometimes he has to bring correction. Sometimes we have to go through some stuff. But sometimes God will use us in a mighty, mighty way that will impact lives, that will change destinies. <laughs> okay, verse 17. So Ananias went and found Saul. He laid his hands on him and said, Brother Saul, the Lord Jesus who appeared to you on the road has sent me so that you might regain your sight and be filled with the Holy Spirit. So you see the faith. Uh, you know, faith is not just something that, that necessarily just happens. I know that there's a gift of faith. But Ananias had to have this relationship to know that the Lord was speaking to him, to go and proclaim these things, and, and to pray for him that he would be healed and that he would be filled with the Holy Spirit. Verse 18, 
instantly, something like scales fall, fell from Saul's eyes, and he regained his sight. Then he got up and was, strength, was baptized. So, you know, that's a whole other shift, that he is being baptized. We're, uh, Pastor Christine is teaching on, uh, in the equipping classes on Wednesdays about being baptized. So this would have been something new for Paul, to be baptized. But, there, but see, God had done something and was doing something in Saul's life, in Paul's life at this point in time, changing his heart, giving him a different perspective from all the stuff that he had learned, all the hundreds of scriptures that he had memorized. Now everything is coming together in alignment. And I believe Paul is starting to connect the dots now not from a religious standpoint, but from a relational standpoint. And when we look at the Bible, what are we seeing? Are we seeing this from a relational standpoint, or are we seeing this from a religious standpoint? I was, there's a, a, a person on the radio that I used to listen to a lot until I realized that they really didn't believe in the Holy Spirit, didn't embrace the Holy Spirit. And if I told you their name, you would probably know who they are. But they're a very good Bible teacher. But I was listening to a message. I was going through the radio the other day, and, and he was teaching this message on how to have uh, this relationship with Jesus, how to have this relationship with God. And he said, I'm going to give you four things. And I thought, well, I want to hear what he has to say. So the first thing he said was he was talking about reading the Bible, and he, talk, he talked about observing what, what the Bible is saying and reading it and observing it. And then this, uh, I think the second or third thing was correlating because we never want to take a scripture and take it out of context. And, and so he was talking about the correlation, which is good. When you see something mentioned over here, then there's, there's oftentimes many other references to the same kind of context or texture that the word is presenting. So it was good. Um, and then he, I, I can't remember what one of them was, but the fourth one, he said, now here's the crowning, the crowning point. And, you know, in my mind, I'm like, he's going to say, ask the Holy Spirit to lead you and guide you into in what the Word is saying to you. And he said, the fourth point is application. And I, I, I'm, like, I'm like, I believe in the application. I mean, we teach a life application word here. We teach you the Word and then tell you to go out and what? Live it, right? But I'm, I'm thinking, where's, where's calling on the Holy Spirit? to give us revelation and insight into what the Word says. And I was so disappointed in that. But frankly, I was not very surprised because I don't think he believes the Holy Spirit is moving today, operating today. So anyway, I, I, I digress, I guess, slightly. But the thing is, is Paul had this religion and he knew the law and now he's had this encounter with the Holy Spirit. He's had this encounter with Jesus himself. And he's, he's been filled and baptized with the Holy Spirit. And so now he's operating not just on the basis of the word and knowledge, but now he's operating in the fullness of the Holy Spirit using the word and all that he had trained and taught him to now begin to move in power. Verse 19, afterwards he ate some food and regained his strength. Saul stayed with the believers in Damascus for a few days. Verse 20. And immediately he began preaching about Jesus in the synagogues, saying, he is indeed the Son of God. Something happened. <laughs> Wait a minute. 
isn't this the same guy that was killing Christians? And now he's in the synagogue preaching about Jesus? What is he smoking? <laughs> what is he drinking? What happened? Can you imagine the, the conversations that were going on about Paul? What happened to this guy? And Paul may have even been saying, I don't know, what hap I don't know what's happened to me. I was preaching against this, and now I'm preaching Jesus. There was, see, what happened was there was a real transformation. It, from taking this knowledge and everything from his head, and now it's dropped into his heart. Verse 21, all who heard him were amazed. Isn't this the same man who caused such devastation among Jesus' followers in Jerusalem, they asked? And didn't he come here to arrest them and take them in chains? To the leading priest, verse 22, Saul's preaching became more and more powerful. And the Jews in Damascus couldn't refute his proofs that Jesus was indeed the Messiah. I think it would be somewhat like trying to argue with Webster about the dictionary. I mean, this guy knows the dictionary, right? He knows words. He knows the meaning of words. And so Paul was fully equipped to refute these guys because now not only did he know the word probably better than most of them, but now he has a spirit residing in him to guide him and lead him. Yeah. And so God had equipped Paul, trained him, and then empowered him and sent, began to send him out. He had, the, he had the word, but he, now he had the power of the Holy Spirit. Verse 23, after a while, some of the Jews plotted together to bring him flowers. <laughs> now they're plotting to kill him. See, religion, legalism, all those things, they want to kill our relationship with Jesus. Paul had, uh, had been responsible for having Christians killed. But once he has this encounter with Jesus, his heart has changed. His life has changed in a dramatic way. He got it. He got it. And now God is saying, you got it. Now go give it. Verse 24. They were watching him. Uh, they were watching for him day and night at the city gate so they could murder him. But Saul was told about the plot. These, you know, they're trying to kill him. Isn't that against their law? Thou shall not murder? <laughs> Just... Okay, verse 25. So during the night, some of the other believers lowered him in a large basket through the opening in the city wall. When Saul arrived in Jerusalem, he tried to meet with the believers, but they were afraid of him. They did not believe he had truly become a believer. You see, Pharisees had a pretty bad reputation among the Christians, and Paul wasn't doing the Pharisees any favor in that regard. And so you imagine that this, this man that had been persecuting Christians now he wants to come in. We'd probably all be going, I don't know about this guy. Don't tell him where we're meeting this week. Let's check him out. Send a spy to watch him. Let's read on here. Then Barnabas brought him to the apostles and told them how Saul had, been, had, had seen the Lord on the way to Damascus and how the Lord had spoken to Saul. He also told them that Saul had preached boldly in the name of Jesus in Damascus. So Saul stayed with the apostles and went all around Jerusalem 
with them, preaching boldly in the name of the Lord. And he debated with some Greek-speaking Jews, but they tried to murder him. Teaching the truth can get you killed in places around the world, like I talked about earlier. We're fortunate that we can live here, we can boldly proclaim the name of Jesus. And let me tell you, we should not stop doing that. Don't let the culture tell you, well, that's not politically correct. Teaching the truth can get you killed. Verse 30, when the believers heard about this, they took him down to Caesarea and sent him away to Tarsus, his hometown. Verse 31, the church then had peace throughout Judea, Galilee, and Samaria, and it became stronger as the believers lived in the fear of the Lord, and with the encouragement of the Holy Spirit, it also grew in numbers. Many people think that Paul got converted, he got saved, he had this encounter, and then, boom, he just went right out. But he, it's believed that he spent years with the, 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 the disciples mentoring him and training him. He probably knew more about the Scripture than these other guys. I mean, he had been trained, but they had the Spirit of God. They had walked with Jesus. They had his heart. They had his understanding. And, yes, they knew the Scripture as well, but probably not to the magnitude that Paul did. And so they, it's one thing to, to go into a class and take the lecture. It's another thing to get in there and, in the lab and start blowing stuff up. I mean, that's where the fun happens, right? So we can learn about all this stuff in the lecture, but the, the application comes when we get out in the world and we begin to live that thing out, when we begin to implement what we've learned and so God can use wisdom and knowledge and intellect and those kinds of things. But his greatest desire is that we have his heart. Because we see this in an example where Paul had the, he had all the stuff, but he didn't have the heart. And then when he had the heart, he was changed. And so later he writes uh, a letter to his spiritual son, Timothy. Let's go to 1 Timothy chapter 3. And this is very applicable to us today, I believe. You should know this, Timothy. You know, so there's a comma and then Timothy and another comma. You should know this, Timothy. I want you to get this. I want you to, to really listen. That in the last days, there will be very difficult times. There's pressure, even today, there's pressure on Christians. There's compromise in churches. People are teaching all kinds of stuff that the Bible says is wrong. There's pressure from the culture. Oh, well, you know, if, if, you, if you say that, you may offend someone or you may hurt someone's feelings. Well, I'd rather hurt someone's feelings than see them go to hell. <laughs> okay, so uh, he goes on to write, For people will love only themselves and their money. They will be boastful and proud, scoffing at God, disobedient to their parents, and ungrateful. They will consider nothing sacred. They will be unloving and unforgiving. They will slander others and have no self-control. They will be cruel and hate what is good. And I never thought we'd see the day where in America we would be calling good evil and evil good. I just didn't think that we would see that. But now we're seeing that. We're seeing that on a real, uh, a real basis here. Uh, verse 4. They will betray their friends, be reckless, be puffed up with pride, and love pleasure more than God. Here's the target. Here's the scripture that I really wanted to get to. They will act religious, but they will reject the power that could make them godly. Stay away from people like that. 
So that's why we talk so much about this authentic relationship. We're not here to play church, and nobody's perfect, and we're all a work in progress. I know God is working in all, our, all of our hearts and lives. But God never called us to be religious. He called us into a relationship with him. Paul had religion and the law. Now he had the Holy Spirit. So let me ask you a couple of questions here that I, I don't want you to answer. I, I just want you to ponder. Are you willing to be uh, trained and equipped to be sent? Are you willing to go when he sends you? Are you willing to be trained and equipped to be sent? Or are you going to go out on your own? And are you willing to go when he sends you? Are you willing to pray with someone as the Lord directs you? Are you willing to, to travel? Go with us maybe to India or someplace where you sleep in a hotel that is filthy. It makes the, the worst hotel you've ever been in here in America look like a five-star hotel. Are you willing to be inconvenienced? Are you willing to preach and share the word and encourage people in a hot, dusty venue? And we've been to places like this. And you know what's so encouraging? Some of these people will walk for miles and miles and miles to come to a meeting where somebody is sharing the hope and the love of Jesus Christ. That's commitment. And I think that's what God is, is asking of us as Christians today. There's a, there's a, lot, of, a lot of Christians that are unwilling to be inconvenienced. And when we have the heart of God that loves and cares for people, we will make a greater difference in the world around us because it's not all about me. It's all about me. It's not about you. Really? It's all about him. And he wants to do something powerful through each and every one of our lives. But we need to be trained and equipped and ready so when he sends us out, he is doing something miraculous through our lives. And so the Wednesday night equipping classes are powerful. We're learning, we're being trained and equipped how to go out and live this thing out. But the most important thing that I want you to get today is how much God loves you. Aside from anything that he can do or will do through your life, the most important thing today is this relationship with him. I remember when I, I had a word spoken over me a number of years ago that I was called to preach. Part of the word was it was going to be 10 years. And I, re I remember being in the lab at times, and I'd say, God, I, I felt like that was a word for, from you, for me. And, you know, it was about 10 years. The Lord began to open up a door for me. 
And there were some challenges in my life. There were some things that happened. Not being appointed as an elder. <laughs> had problems with a praise and worship leader treating me badly. Crying out to the Lord and saying, God, what is this about? Randy's not treating me well. And the Lord said, don't worry about Randy. I'm dealing with you. <laughs> but you know what I learned through that process is to really... Uh, I, I learned a different level of serving, and I began to serve my pastor. I began to serve my praise and worship leader. I began to serve my boss at work in the manner in which I would want to be served. And the Word says that you can't be in authority until you learn to be under authority. And as I began to serve my boss and my pastor in that capacity, God began to elevate me because you know what? I had learned something. I'd learned something that God was, had been trying to teach me for a long time. And so God has a purpose and plan for you. And just go through the process, whatever that is, because promotion doesn't come by man. It comes from the Lord. There were times I got promoted at work uh, above my peers that, you know, I probably shouldn't have been promoted. But not because I wasn't working hard, but because there were other people there that deserved it too. But it's like God will put you in a spotlight. He will highlight you. And he will give you influence, and he will give you position, and he will do things for you that you cannot do for yourself. And I think the key is obedience. All right. And I want to bless you. The Lord told Moses to uh, tell Aaron to bless the people. So if you'll stand, let's bless one another. The scripture will be on the screen so you can recite this along with me. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance on you and give you peace. Amen. Amen. Thank you for being here this morning. The prayer team will be here if you'd like prayer. And uh, we look forward to seeing you soon. God bless you. Go out and live it. Thank you for tuning into our broadcast. For more information, be sure to find us at our website at www.lifefellowship.me or call us at 832-864-2800. Have a great week and remember,